to another Sports Hub Underground podcast. This is Matt Dolph. I'm here with Ty Anderson, as I am every single week. Uh, Ty, I hope we get to keep talking about sports because it's beginning to look a lot like 2020. COVID at every store. And the Bruins are going to... I don't know where I'm going with this, but the Bruins, uh, they finally had some players test positive. Uh, their two best players... Arguably, uh, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron are in the protocol. Uh, COVID is sort of popping off in the NHL. Uh, the Bruins are supposed to travel to Canada this weekend, but they got issues of their own. Uh, how are you feeling about all this? Uh, not good. Not good at all. I, I feel icky. Just as someone who has been around the team, uh, I feel uh, disgusting. Uh, this is not a fun time. I know that there are players and staff and coaches that are not having a great time right now. Um, just kind of a mess, right? And the Calgary situation has has gotten worse every day since the Bruins left Calgary. And uh, it started Calgary with had, it started with six players and one staffer testing positive. You're saying it's gotten even worse since then? I know yeah, they added four more players yesterday, and now their COVID list as of uh, as of Wednesday afternoon is up to 17 players. So basically an entire roster of COVID guys. I mean, so – and the way that this is would seemingly indicate that you're going to see something similar with the Bruins here. Uh, maybe not to that degree, but you had two yesterday. You had another one today. Uh, I, I mean, just based on what happened with Calgary, if it's something similar, you're going to see more of these cases. So, so not a great time for the Bruins, especially with an upcoming three games in four days all on the road. Not sure that should happen. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, especially crossing the Canadian border. Um, but, yeah, not a great time for the NHL and for sports as a whole, really, with this with this sort of thing popping off again. Yeah. Um, I mean, so players are required to quarantine for at least 10 days, regardless if you're feeling symptoms or whatever. So they're going to be without Bergeron for at least the next five games or Marchand and Craig Smith, too. So it's going to be tough sledding for the Bruins if they actually play these games. But, uh, I mean, the Carolina Hurricanes are on their schedule coming up, and they just had to postpone a game. And, I mean, I guess we're just looking at postponements across the league. I mean, it looks like they're resistant to just pausing the season for a couple of weeks because we know how, how that turned out. It, it started with, you know, two weeks or 15 days to stop the spread, and that turned into a, an 18-month 18 month hellscape. Uh, so I don't know where, where they're going to go with that. But, I mean – Nick Foligno was on uh, Toucher and Rich this morning, and, I mean, he had an interesting thought. And, I mean, he, he sounded like he's echoing the thoughts of what a, a lot of players feel. And, I mean, just fair warning to our listeners, we're not going to do a whole episode on COVID. We just got to feel like we should talk about it real quick because it's, you know, the big story in the NHL right now. Um, Felino basically said, like, we shouldn't have to test players so often. And, you know, a lot of players feel like, you know, we're mature enough to, to trust each other that we're only, we'll go get tested if we're feeling symptoms. Cause I mean, a lot of these guys are getting back are vaccinated and they're getting tested uh, with no symptoms and they're testing positive and you know, that they're quarantining for 10 days and you know, they're getting stuck in Canada or stuck, you know, crossing the border. They're stuck here, there, uh, you know, right before the holidays. 
Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a fair point because if you're vaccinated, that it's, it doesn't stop you from getting the virus, which I get it, and you could maybe transmit the virus. But it stops you from getting really sick. And I mean, like, if you're, if you're, not, if you're feeling symptoms, yeah, go get tested. But if you're testing so much, you're testing everyone every day, like, you're going to have some positives, and they're going to be asymptomatic. And so, I don't know. Nick Foligno feels, I think, that and he says he, – he, implied that like a lot of other players feel this way but I guess he's one of the only ones brave enough to speak up about it uh you know I mean is it is it this is this just a result of testing too much you think because I mean the NHL like just about everyone's vaccinated and there haven't been serious complications or anything like that from COVID like I mean are they just do you think they're probably just going to power through this so there are some players I, I know who feel the same way um that they feel as if you, you basically what Nick Felino said, like they're kind of echoing what he said. It's probably no coincidence where those players play. Um, but I, I do think that to a certain degree that there is also like, there's the whole, they want to avoid what happened. What's happening in Calgary right now, where you have 18 guys testing positive, like, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the, because the flames, as far as I know, everyone in the flames is vaccinated as well. So Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're they're trying to avoid this potentially spreading to all the teams, which is the reason for that. Uh, I think the simplest solution, personally, would be to shut the league down for a couple a uh, couple of days, you know, five days, let's just say, right? Maybe make it eight through the Christmas break, and you use those eight days to get boosters for all the guys. And you say we're all, we're all going to get the booster shot here. We're gonna we're gonna reset, and we're gonna come back and see how it goes. Because I, I do think that's a real thing, right? That like. You, if you test healthy guys, it's about, it's about, you know, it's going to happen. Just the odds say it's going to happen. So I, I don't know the solution personally. I don't, I don't think the NHL does as well. Uh, but I know, I know Nick is not alone on those thoughts. You know, last night after the game, uh, Tuesday night, after Tuesday night's game, Taylor Hall uh, talking with us. And he said that Marshall and Smith feel fine. And they feel like they could have played. They, they feel totally fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Cassidy, when Cassidy had it, he had a bad headache. That was his biggest thing. He didn't have the, the, um, the shortness of breath or cardiovascular, like whatever the case may be, he just had a really bad headache for a couple of days. Um, so it, it does vary person to person, but also that, you know, Cassie was saying there are guys that he knows in Ottawa who are coaches that ended up in the hospital, you know, so it really does vary. It seems from person to person. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, you know, I don't know what the, what the end result is or what the best, what the best play is, but yeah, no, that's a, this is a real part of players that are testing positive that feel fine and are getting kind of pissed at, they have to miss time now because they feel totally fine. But, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything. No. I don't know. I don't know what the end solution is, but you got to do something here before this gets out of control and you have to shut down things. Or you have to turn away people from attending games because the NHL can't afford that right now. Yeah. I mean, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but neither are most of the people that, that COVID shame people and like, you know, that, that want uh, everything to be shut down again or just, just going too crazy about it in my opinion. Yeah, I just think it's I just think it's stringent in the NHL because the NFL, if you test positive or you go on COVID reserve, if you're vaccinated, you just need two negative tests 24 hours apart. And the NHL, like, say you have two negative tests 24 hours apart, you still have to spend eight days in quarantine, even if you're asymptomatic, feeling fine. Like Brad Marchand is just going to be, he's going to be COVID negative and he's going to be sitting around there for a week. It just seems too much to me, but. I don't like if yeah. you're gonna do that. Like that's why I'm saying if you're going to do that, just suspend the season for a week or so, and you know get get everything in order that way, and you know make sure that 
and try to try to quell the spread as much as you can. But like other than that, like I'm all set with I'm all set with shutting everything down for an extended period of time again. Like if people think that's going to happen, I don't. I think the I think the leagues are are beyond that point, especially with everyone being vaccinated. That's just my thought. Yeah, I mean, and part of it is like it's kind of unavoidable, right? Like to a certain degree, if if you're going to get sick, you're going to get sick. But the part that you know is kind of silly to me, and and I don't like being the mask police. I don't like mask shaming anything like that. You know, TD Garden says that it's a requirement you have to wear a mask unless you're eating or drinking. Every time they show a fan on the jumbotron. They're not wearing a mask. No, almost nobody in that building is wearing a mask. Right. So no, when just... guys go, I don't, I don't know how I got it. It's like, well, I can think of 17,000 plus reasons why you got it. Because you got people in the lower bowl right on ice level, you know, not wearing it. So if, so if one person walks in with it, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a fishbowl, right? So, yeah. so I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to shame those people, but I, I do think like it's very easy to see how it can get into arenas uh, when some of the rules and the regulations are so lax and, I get it. You know, I don't think that the security guard making 15 bucks an hour should be the one to tell people they got to wear a mask. That's not, I don't think that's part of their job. I don't think you should expect that of them. Um, At the same time though, I mean, the more people you let in, the higher the odds are that you're going to get sick. So, you know, you kind of have to make your bed with this and live with it in some regards. So I I just think the best way to to do that, in my opinion, is either, like I said, the booster shot, uh, you shut down for a few days, figure that all out, or, you bring back taxi squads, right? So, so teams don't have to cancel entire games or entire weeks of games because of the, like, you, you, you know, you, you have that extra, those extra bodies on deck, yeah. so to speak. I mean, that's another area the, the NFL has done well is the expanded practice squad has been a good thing. That's yeah. Yeah, NFL. exactly. To like postpone anything really. Yeah. And you think about it, right? Like, like there are some teams who they can't ice a roster because of COVID, because of the cap, right? They can't afford to call up six guys from the AHL. Like, they'll go over the cap. And you're not going to put the guys on long-term IR, you know? <laughs> a COVID cap. Ten games. Let's have a yeah. COVID cap. Yeah, so it's just, you know, it's just, it, it, it's one of these situations where, like, there's a lot of things that they can try. They got to try something, though. You can't keep doing nothing and going, why are games getting canceled? Why is this happening? I mean, you got to learn to live with it and manage it properly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, something's gone awry with the way that's way it's been managed, or maybe it's like you said, it's just out of their control, and it's something that's just going to spread out controllably. All right, I mean, I think we've already done enough on yes, COVID. I would agree. Um, let's let's pivot to the actual Bruins game that was uh, Tuesday night. Uh, if you're listening right now, it's probably Thursday, but uh, the Bruins played on Tuesday, and we're recording on Wednesday, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, Ty, I was all excited last night because I was like, all right, I got nothing else going on. I can sit down, relax, just watch the Bruins game. I don't have to flip around. I don't have any prior obligations. I can just sit down, watch some hockey, and then we can uh, break it down the next day. Then the game actually happened, and I was like, all right, never mind so much for that. That was uh, not enjoyable for anyone who uh, uh, wants to see the Bruins succeed. (laughs) 4-1 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, who aren't – they're sort of middle of the pack right now in the Western conference. They're not as, you know, upper echelon as we're used to them, used to seeing them. But I think the talent difference was obvious. And uh, I think the main, the the biggest problem that the Bruins had uh, with those four goals they gave up were uh, battles along the boards being weak along the boards, uh, just generally. Uh, But Ty, I want to do an experiment here. I want to do a little exercise. Uh, We're going to go through each and every one of the four goals. And then we're going to, uh, discuss what what the reaction would have been like had Tuukka Rask given up the goals because this was a 
This was the golden child, Jeremy Swayman in net. And um, wasn't, wasn't his best night, but wasn't entirely his fault either on these goals. You know, that's so, so it goes with goalies. Um, I'm going to start with the first goal, Ty. I'm going to start the first goal and finish my rant here. Uh, first goal, I thought, was because Derek Forbort wasn't strong enough along the boards, loses the puck, and then he's sloppy trying to get the puck to Charlie McAvoy behind the net. And that's just an example of why he shouldn't really be on a pairing with Charlie McAvoy most of the time. He can't keep up with Charlie McAvoy in the puck-moving department. And, um, I mean, if he's not going to be strong along the boards, like, what good is he? Uh, I, I've been, I, was been high, I was high on the signing, and I'm still going to be high on him if the, if the Bruins can get into the playoffs because I think he'd be more of an asset in a playoff setting. Uh, but, I mean, that's ideally not on your top pairing. Um, and, you know, the goal itself was a little bit fluky off forward shoulder and threw like a tiny hole over Jeremy Swayman's shoulder. But it started with poor puck management, sloppiness behind the net, slop, sloppiness along the boards. Uh, now, if Tuka Rask given up that goal, they probably would have said Tuka Rask needs to stop that. Uh, he sucks. They should get rid of him, trade him, whatever. Um, but what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate any sort of goal where I, I feel as if your defenseman is blocking your goaltender's view. Uh, I, I, I would have to get another look at it. It felt like it was almost like a moving screen on your own goaltender there. Um, yeah, I think that's been a problem for Swayman this year are, are these goals from distance. Uh, I, I, I would yeah. have to look at every single, every single tally. And I know, listen, it goes off someone in, but for whatever reason, it feels like the majority of the goals that he has given up have been from distance for whatever. Yeah, reasons. no, you're right. We could use a heat map of, of yeah, goals I, I do need a heat Swayman. map to see where they're coming from, but it feels like a lot of them are coming from the point and just some kind of screwiness, some sort of screwiness happens where it hits somebody bounces off a shin, a back, a shoulder, whatever the case may be along the way. Um, but yeah, no, that that's the goal that uh, you know it, it. You should be able to bounce back from. I think if you're the Bruins, because of the fact that you are playing pretty well, given your losses to that point, given the um, who you're missing, you know, like you should be able to kind of all right, that's that's crap luck. Here we go, bounce back, strong shift, build off, you know, bounce back here, right? And so I, I look at that goal, not to kill Swayman, but to say the team in front of him, all right, get it back for him because, you know, he's he's done his job for the most part to this point. Yeah, I mean, if, if, but let's be honest. If Tuka gives up that goal, they're going to say he needs to take up more of the net because that's his game. And Yes. <laughs> I don't know what their reaction was like on Twitter. I haven't been looking at Twitter because I, I feel, feel for my mental health. Uh, but I imagine that was not uh, decidedly not the reaction. It was just, uh, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Collection, which is what we say every time Tuca gives it up, but obviously it's not the reaction you get from half of uh, the Bruins fandom. All right, moving on to the second goal. Uh, started off uh, Charlie Coyle not being able to handle the puck along the boards again. Uh, it was sort of a bouncing puck. You had to glove it out of the air, so you know it was a, it was sort of a tough play. But he loses the puck. Uh, Chandler Stevenson makes a really nice uh, cross ice, uh, you know, stretch pass to Max Pacioretty, who just flies right by Forber. Forber. Doesn't seem like he even saw Pacioretty coming. And uh, that that was a goal where you said, uh, I would have liked a bailout save. And uh, that is definitely, absolutely a goal where if Tuka Rask gave that up, they'd say that that's why he's not, that's why he'll never win a cup. You know, that's why he'll never be as good as you want him to be. They'll bring and, up games uh, from but, eight years ago as if yeah, no, Yeah, two goals in 17 seconds. Like the, the whole thing would be, like you said, whenever Tuka Rask gives up a goal, it becomes a referendum on his entire career. That is absolutely a, 
a referendum on his entire career type of goal because Pacioretty's in all alone and and uh, you know Swayman can't can't make the bailout save and you know it's tough because the defense sort of failed him there, but at mm-hmm. the same time he had he, he was right there could have made the play if he's as great as uh, fans want him to be you wanted to bail you out there I, I I think that's fair yeah if he's as good enough as the people who don't want to bring the winning and goal tender in franchise history back because you can't interrupt his development. That's a save you need, right? Like that, like we, we are on the same bit, right? The goal is to win a Stanley cup this year. The goal is not development. I hate, I hate to be this guy who wants to develop Swayman right now and win a Stanley cup at the same time. You can't do that. And you already made your bed. You went out and signed Nick Foligno. You signed Derek Fulbert. Bergeron's still here. You're in it to win it, whether you like it or not, right? This is the path you've chosen. It mm-hmm. can't suddenly become a developmental year. You can't do that. So you need a goaltender who can make those kind of saves. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that is funny that you mentioned. Like the guy, I get it. Tuka Rask hasn't won a cup as a starting goalie. He's a his Stanley Cup underachiever. That might be his ultimate legacy if they never actually break through. But the guy has won more games in the history of the Boston Bruins franchise, which has been around for almost 100 years. And so many people just hate the guy. I don't I, – I, I don't know. It's Maybe it's a, just a product of social media rotting people's brains. But, I mean, just the, the hatred he gets is unbelievable. And, I mean, it's, it feels like last night is a classic, classic opportunity for Twitter to show how hypocritical they are when it comes to Tuca. And Jeremy said, well, well Swayman's only 22. What do you expect? He's not a veteran. Like, Tuka Rask is a veteran. He, he, should make, he should make that stop if he's making all that money. Uh, Swayman makes no money, and he's 22 years old. But, but you also want him to be the guy starting every game, and you think he's going to be the guy to steal you a cup at the same time. So uh, people talking out of both sides of their asses, I think, yes. uh, is, is what that is. I mean, I'm, I'm, I assume there was not much of a, of a I needed a save there reaction from that game last night. I mean, I don't know how much Twitter you were saying, but um, I imagine there, there wasn't much uh, – there was, there was more excuse-making than Swayman for that one. Yeah, well, I mean, here's where I land on it, right? Like, you talk about how Pacioretty blows by Fulbert. So Derek Fulbert had uh, – I, I, I want to say just a few minutes against that Vegas top line uh, with Stone uh, or Pacioretty, Stevenson, Stone. During I, I looked this up because I was curious last night. It was like, it was, I think it was four minutes of five on five time on ice against that line for, for uh, Forbert. Vegas had two shots, two goals. You know what I mean? So it's like, ah, this is the problem you run into where if he's not going to be a top pairing guy, which I don't think he is, I think he's a second or third pairing guy you know, those minutes can hurt you, right? If it's a good team, they don't need 10 shots. If they can expose him with two shots, it's two goals, right? And, and if you don't have the goaltending to kind of bail you out there, that's when it becomes doubly painful. So a bit of everything, I think, to get to get Vegas to that two-goal lead, uh, you're seeing a guy who might not be equipped for that role, you know, getting torched there. And, and, and with your losses and with your current roster construct, that's – you really can't afford that like you could three years ago. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, this isn't even all to say that, like, bring back Tuka Rask and problem solved. I'm just talking about, uh, like, the cultural, the cultural treatment of this kid. Like, I think, look, I think he's good. I like him. It's just, you know, when he has a bad night, are we going to, are we gonna actually going to point it out? Or are we just going to, is it just going to be a personal thing? Well, no. The, you the know, like, I like Swayman. Is... He's likable. 
you know, he's, he comes across likable and he, he's played well. He's had some good games. Uh, but when he has a bad night, oh, it's okay. You know, he's just 22. He's just learning. He's just coming along. Uh, you can't say that and then at the same time expect him to carry them to a cup. You know? Yeah, and it, the other part of it too is like the same it, – it's like the same rationale that was used against people like me. You know, when I would say these things, well, defense, you know, didn't help him or the forwards lost the battle. Oh, you're defending Tuca. It's the same thing. It's just you like the guy that you're defending. You know what I mean? It's like it's the same kind of concept where it's like, no, you need to look at all six players out there. But at the same time, if you're not getting that help, you got to say, we could use something there. You know, I thought I thought personally, and I know we have another two goals to go here, but I thought (laughs) Cassie Not even halfway through. (laughs) I thought Cassie summed it up best where he just said that Swayman had an off night. That's as simple as that. It was an off night. It wasn't, you know, but the, the flip side of that is you can't afford off nights against a team like Vegas. And when you're down Marshan and, and Craig Smith, you can't afford an off night from your starting goaltender against upper, upper echelon teams. So yeah. that's where a guy like Tuga comes in, a guy that you know can steal a game or can steal, you know, a series. We've seen that before as well. So, you know, that, that's, that's part of it. Yeah, like the full-on the full on stinkers from Tuka Rask. I mean, with the amount of games he's played, I mean, you could almost I, – I don't know. I don't, you could probably count on, on your hands you know, the number of times he's, he's had an a all-out stinker. You know what I mean? Usually it's just like a bad goal here and there. And, like, they, come, they, they have come at him in inopportune times, obviously. But, I mean, I don't know. The consistency is what, what I always liked about him is that, right. you know, he's at least going to be – there's a baseline of, of good goaltending, maybe not perfect. Um, Swayman, you're going to have more ups and downs. That's just, I just think that's the, the nature of having a 22 year old who you're throwing right in there. And it's, it's like his rookie year, I think technically. Right. So. Yeah. He only played um, 10 games last year. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the, I mean, he's never, he's never really been through, you know, he's never been through like the, the, the grind of a full 82 game season. Right. Like it's never happened for him. So this is, I've said this from day one about Tuka coming back. It's not the worst thing in the world to have multiple guys who can lead a charge. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I just think that I, I, neither goaltender makes you feel particularly warm and fuzzy right now. Like when they're net, I, I never feel like, Oh, they got this handled. Like there is that element of like, the rebounding issue, positional, like, like there, there's, it just, I don't have that same confidence that I think I had with Duca when I know I, you know, I knew the team was shorthanded or I knew they needed something like there's just, I don't feel that same level. And I don't think we should because it's a 23 year old and a guy who's been on in Buffalo his whole career. So it doesn't help to have that, that safety valve. If you can, if you can reach for it, it's not the worst thing to have. Yeah. No, I mean like the, the response for most people who don't will just be, I just don't like them. There's no other, like you lay out all this logic. It's like, yeah, I just don't like his face. Like that's basically like, just look at his stupid face. That's like the, basically the people's argument uh, with Tuka Rask. Um, All right. Well, all right. Yeah. Like you said, we're only halfway through here. (laughs) Let's get to the third Vegas goal. The nice goal. Um, Kind of a ticky tack high stick call on John Moore. I thought that the replay, the, the stick made contact with the guy's shoulder. Uh, but usually you, you see that call when it when it makes contact with the guy's head and face. I get, I get that in the moment you might see that. Um, good on the Vegas player for not like pretending he got smacked in the face on that play. But nonetheless, John John Moore to the box for high sticking. 
Uh, they score with 0.5. I feel like the Bruins, uh, go, at least going back a few years, they have to lead the league in goals allowed with under one second to go in the period. I feel like that has happened uh, an inordinate amount of times against them. Um, I mean, there was a penalty kill. They had they had a chance to clear it, but Thomas Nosek and Brandon Carlo not quick enough to the puck there. And it looked like Jonathan Marcheseau was trying to feed it cross ice to William Carlson on the backside there, uh, but it, it just goes off Carlo's skate. Then Carlo has to lead the league and, and, and goals off his skate. I feel like that happens a lot with him. I don't know if there's anything you can even glean from that. But, I mean, like, what, who, where do you start with a goal like that when it's given up in the final second? Because we know what the reaction would be if Tukaras gave up that goal. I don't even think we need to go into detail on that. But, I mean, I don't know. Is that just like a team-wide breakdown to give up a goal that late in a period? All you have to do is hold on for another half second and you can't do it? Like, where do you start on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd I, have to go back with sound and see if there's anyone yelling from the Boston bench, hey, there's a second left, you know what I mean? Like, can you dive down to, to, to smother it, you know, versus – even letting it get to someone else, like what, like what can you do there? I mean, that's just cra- that's another one. It's just it's bad luck, but it can't happen, right? Like like team wide, that can't happen because going down two nothing against Vegas through two, 20 minutes seems a whole lot different yeah. than going down three nothing. Three nothing hard enough. Over. It, it's <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights. They're one of the best teams in the league. They're feeling it lately. It's over two nothing. Eh, Robin Leonard, he's not that. I mean, he's good, but he's not that good. You can that's get the worst on him. worst lead in hockey. Yeah, and so I just think that, you know, there's a little bit of a, you know, I don't know how relevant it is in, in November <laughs> or December 2021, but Vegas, a little choky, you know, a little choky. You can you can erase a two-goal lead. Three-goal lead, a lot harder, a lot harder. So that's just one of those that just, it just can't happen. I mean, it, like, you can blame Swayman, Carlo, Nosek, John Moore for taking the penalty. Like, whatever it is, it's just one of those things that ultimately – Slice up the blame pie, blame pie, whoever you want, but it just can't happen at the end of the day. Yeah, um, given, I guess you could say Car- situation. I guess you could say Carlo could could have laid out just to block the pass. I mean, I don't know. They, they were all just like standing around in that last second. Yeah, and, and they're and 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 Marchessault is too good of a player to to stand still around. You know, he's very much like Marshan in terms of his movement. Um, you, you know, you think you see him and you're like, well, okay, where, where where is he? Where'd he go? You know, so it's like <laughs> it's it's he's a guy that they. If you, if you are a statue around him, he's going to expose you. So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm curious the communication there from the, if any, from the Boston bench, letting them know how much time is left in the period, in the kill, uh, and if that could have made a difference. So I'd have to go back and watch it with sound to see if anyone's clanging on the boards before the, uh, before the, the, the play is made. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all know if Tuka Rask gave that up, it would, it would have been a molasses flood of, of poop. Yes, recreational crying, basically, is how I would describe it. Recreational crying, I like it. I cry. I mean, if you get paid to cry, that would be one thing. You know, there's probably a lot of media people paid to cry or crying about it on Twitter, or they would have if it were to harass. But, you know, that one is just, uh, you know, that's on the defense. I love how people conveniently find a way to blame the defense when it's uh, not the goalie they want or when it's the goalie they like. Uh, All right, well, one more goal. Uh, Fourth goal. Charlie Coyle, Eric Hall, they can't handle a pass off a rush from Charlie McAvoy. Uh, lack of skill sort of shows up there. Vegas goes the other way. Uh, Swayman had a clean look at this one. I think Swayman just has to stop that. And this is, again, what you said before, the goals from distance. This one was uh, above, looked like above the face-off circles. Like the, we're talking the really high slot, uh, like at the very top of it. And 
like it, he he looked he, he said he was interfered with, but I don't think he was interfered with uh, enough where like you know he was impeded uh, trying to move toward the puck. It looked like he could see the shot and he just didn't get to it in time. Um, I mean, I feel like any shot from that high up, you got to be able to stop that. I mean, minus minus like heavy traffic in front of the net, and there wasn't that really. So uh, we so obviously we know what what would have been said if Tukarask gave that up. Uh, so I think it's fair to say that Jeremy Swayman needs to stop that. So what do you what do you think? Yeah, that was the worst of the four. I mean, that's when mm-hmm. you you need it. You absolutely need it. You don't get it, and it's even more game over than it was when it was three nothing, right? So um, that's the worst of the four. I, I think I was almost surprised that Cassie didn't make the switch to Olmark for the second period, uh, not because of anything Swayman necessarily did, although he wasn't great. But you shake up the roster, you shake up the team, you try to send a message like, hey, you didn't have this guy's back. Let's see if you have this one, you know, and you mm-hmm. go from there. So, uh, but with Elmark, it was a testing issue. He wasn't, he wasn't on the ice uh, the day before. So I think they were a little apprehensive of putting him on the ice with, with basically cold, cold skates. Uh, so they stuck with Swayman, didn't pan out. Um, and, and, and this ends up being the, the final goal of the night for Vegas. Uh, so this leads us to this point, Matt. I want to ask you about this. Oh, boy. How many wins do you think Swayman has against teams that are in the top half of the NHL standings? Wins? Well, yes. can you give me the number of games? Six. Uh, two. One. It's okay. one win. Uh, it was the one 42 save. One, four, and one. What's the record? One, four, and one against okay. teams that are in the top half of the NHL standings. Uh, one, four, and one. If you had to guess the save percentage, the one win, by the way, is the Nashville game, 42 save shutout. So pretty, pretty good win. Let, let's, let's give him credit there. But what do you think the save percentage is in those six games? Oh, man, it can't be good if you're asking me this. And he's won for a while. 875. A little bit better. 904. Okay. 904 save percentage against teams that are 16th or higher right now in the NHL standings. So, uh, that is not something that I say – you cannot send that to Providence. I'm sorry. I, 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 I like Jeremy Swayman's ceiling. I like his mindset. I like his confidence. I like what he brings to the table, positionally, all of that. The idea, however, that he is untouchable and you can't bring in Tuka Rask because you can't afford to send him to Providence, it's ridiculous. I think that Swayman has, has had a very soft landing this year with the games that he's gotten against some opponents. And this record yeah. confirms that because the save percentage on the year is like nine seventeen, I think total. So you take these games out of it. It's closer to like nine forty. So he's, right. he's beating up on bad teams right now. And he has one win against what we would consider playoff quali- uh, caliber opponents, teams that they're going to have to beat if they're a wild card team. So I just, I, I just think last night's example of a goaltender who has promise, but ultimately might not be ready to be the number one for your team right now. Yeah, people just want it. People just will, trying to will it into existence at this point because, like, I think the numbers bear that out. And it sounds like they may, maybe they're managing him a little bit, like they, they're trying to limit his games against the, the upper echelon, the highest level of competition. You know, you can sort of get him NHL reps without having to throw him to the wolves, so to speak. Uh, that was definitely a throw him to the wolves type of game last night against Vegas. It was a, had a lot of success recently, has a lot of high-end talent. So, I mean – you know, this is like the, the fair thing to say is that, we, you know, it's not a referendum on his whole career that he's not playing uh, well against top. It's not that he's never going to do that. 
It's exactly. that right now he doesn't look ready for that. And I think people are just people are just blindly looking past that that uh, reality, which I think is the reality, because they just don't they just don't like Tuca. That's just all, I think that's uh, that's all it is. And they're so desperate for that shiny new toy, right? And and yeah, and I get fits it. That bill. He fits that bill more than Allmark because Allmark had a bad preseason and now he's bad forever. He can never be good. You can never change your opinion. He had a bad preseason and now he's bad forever. You know, despite the fact that I think Allmark has played better when I, again, I've talked about this before, when you weigh the competition and this is, this is confirming that these numbers confirm that Allmark has been better against different competition than Swayman has, you know, do you I have those numbers games. Do I have Allmark's numbers? Off the top of my head, I do not, but I can tell you that he had back-to-back performances of 40 saves against Calgary, one of the better teams in the West, and Edmonton, one of the better offenses of the West. So I look at that and I say, okay, he's got that win there. I look at uh, October, he gets the shootout win against Florida. You know, those like those are those are good wins. Those are, those are mm-hmm. big wins. So um, I I would imagine his numbers are better than a, a 904. I would have to crunch them. Got to be. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I would imagine that he's been a little better than, than Swayman has in that regard. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on backstagecountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Speaking of uh, Allmark, uh, prior to this game against Vegas, the Bruins were on a little hot streak with their both goalies were playing really well uh, leading up to that. And I think you posted on Twitter, like uh, the stat, like their combined stats since Don Sweeney said they've been just okay. And like, and then that combined that with the, the, the news of Tuca coming back and working out and, you know, it's like, Looking inevitable at this point that Tuka will be back. Uh, so, do you think Sweeney gave him a little kick in the ass there? Or do you think it's maybe a sign that they're turning a corner? I know that Swayman took a step back, but do you think that recent hot streak was was a good sign for them, or you know maybe just a temporary boost because Sweeney said they were just okay? I think it's a little bit of everything. I, I do think that Allmark is finding comfort in Boston versus um, in the start. I think he was adjusting, like he was making some mistakes that. I thought were correctable. Like he was playing pucks. He should cover, you know, like his teammates were basically expecting him to cover the puck and he'd play it. And all of a sudden now it's, you know, now it's Keystone cops. They're running around. They have no idea what they're doing. So I think he's getting more comfortable in Boston. Um, but I also think that it's, that it was a little bit motivating factor. Like they've been just okay. And now we've got this guy coming in. So I think both goalies are trying to make their push to say, no, I belong here. I want to be the guy, you know, you, I, I'm ready for this moment. Um, but I, I think the Rask thing is an, an inevitability. It's just a matter of how it breaks down. Allmark's not going anywhere. So it would be Swayman going to Providence or rotating three goaltenders. Like those mm-hmm. are the two, like Allmark's not moving. He's not getting traded. He's not getting sent down to the minors. <laughs> yeah, not people talking like that, about, but... say, well, they got to trade Allmark if they're bringing Rask back. You can't, can't yeah. swim, but they got to trade Allmark. <laughs> like, yeah, can, we just, can we stop he guys? Move. He's, guys not, can he's not stop? doing anything. <laughs> We're stuck with him, all right? Yeah, basically. I don't even mean it that way. It's just like I'm obviously – I don't hate the whole Allmark thing as much as a lot of people do. But it's like, can we stop if they're going to – they, they got to trade him? I think you're wasting your breath really, on that one. really, really don't like him, huh? It's, it's kind of crazy. 
Is it because he's like no, the, the, the Scandinavian? So much. Is it just Scandinavians are not allowed here? Is that what it is? No, I don't know. Like for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a Boston thing, but like they just hate guys that aren't who they wanted. <laughs> right. You know, like because I think everyone was just all ready to for the the Jeremy Swayman era, and he was going to start seventy five games, no problem, and you know just carry them all the way to a Stanley Cup, sixteen and zero in the Stanley Cup playoffs, no goals allowed. Uh, beat all the best teams, Tampa, Washington, Vegas, and that that was going to be that no problem. And but then here comes Linus Allmark, who dared to to accept a contract for five million dollars a year, and uh, they just hate him. He's just a bad. Not person. allowed. You cannot do that. <laughs> He's a bad person for for signing with the Boston Bruins and, and getting in the way of of the the kid. Yeah, <laughs> the golden child. It's just yeah, like, and it's tough too because I I think I think Swayman's already hit that point where like any sort of criticism of him is met with like this wild, like, Oh my God, you're such a hater. And it's like, no man, I'm, I'm talking about like, this team is, this team wants to win right now. They have Stanley cup aspirations right now. Like, so you can't afford these growing pains. You're not, you know, that's incredible. That's incredible that you, you say something critical of Jeremy Swayman. Oh, you're just a hater. Uh, Yeah. That's what people have been saying for years about Tuka Rask. So what are your, your thoughts, (laughs) your thoughts on the winningest goalie in Bruins history? So I just I just crunched the uh, numbers real quick for Elmark against the same kind of caliber opponents, top sixty in the NHL. Uh, six six games. What do you think the record is? Six games. Uh, yeah. the three and three. Three and three. He is three and three, and uh, he is um, the save percentage is a nine fourteen. So his save percentages with this re- in this respect have been wildly across the board, right? Where like, so he had the bad, he had the bad game against Edmonton, which I think, again, I mean, I'm boo-hoo Linus crew now, I guess, but yeah, Car- Carlo and Grizzly gave two goals right to Leon Dreisettle in that game. So, yep. you know, like, like, like couldn't be more clear goals, you know, for a guy of his caliber. So that happened. The Toronto game wasn't a great game. Um, so, you know, that's an issue as well. Uh, so I, I just think he's been more consistent though, versus the Swayman has felt like it's been trick or treat, right? You have that one 42 save uh, shutout against the Preds and the rest of the games have been, eh, you know, sub 900 for the most part. Whereas I think Linus has found the, the, the middle ground, so to speak, between being a, a complete nightmare and, and, and being a, a brick wall. So those, are, those other games didn't happen though. It's just the, the, the only the Nashville game happened. It's uh that, that yeah, is exactly. what, that's what Swayman is. And that's what he will be. Uh, forever and uh you know if you have any other questions about the goaltending situation you're you're a piece of trash that's that's yes. basically how it is yes that's how it but that's but that's the frustrating part right because because like you know it, it's you're allowed to change your opinion you're allowed to acknowledge when when you have new data new information like the idea that your opinion on day one has to be your opinion on day 95 is a huge problem and i think it's you know, I, I do think that's something that people really need to consider with the Bruins goaling is that, you know, the 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 overall over the overview of these teams goaltending situation is allowed to change. You're allowed to make adjustments on the fly. And if the Bruins don't, that's might hurt them between now and game eighty two, honestly. No, you're wrong, Ty. You gotta pick a side and then stick with it no matter what. You can't look at objective realities. You can't look at uh how things change. You you can't you can't observe the world the way it evolves. 
over the course of time, you need to pick your pick your side, and then no matter what, just argue it. And who cares? Who cares how insane you look? How insane you get? How much your brain rots from the inside out? Just just stick with your stance because uh, that's that's the right thing to do. Yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, I I think we've exhausted all the Bruins topics at this point. Didn't you have a, you had an, any NFL question that you that you posed before we started? Can you remind me on that? Yeah, I'm curious what you did on a bye week because you cover the Patriots. Patriots had a bye week. Indeed. Uh, how do you how do you approach a bye week? What did what is it that you do during a bye week? <laughs> oh well, during the bye week, I mean, like we have to cover everything at 95thesportsup.com. So I mean, I'm just staying engaged with everything that's going on. But um, from an NFL standpoint, the main thing I want to do. Uh, on the Patriots bye week is just sit back and watch some football, just to see what else is going on, see what these other teams look like. Cause you know, like part of the, the, the challenge with, with covering the Patriots in person is that we don't have, we're not watching red zone during the game. You know, we don't, we don't get to see what all the other games look like, like the whole, that whole Sunday is dedicated to just the Patriots game. And hopefully we have a chance to go back and rewatch uh, other games the, the following Monday. I'll do that for, you know, important games, an upcoming opponent, or if there was a good game or whatever. So it was, I, I love the idea of like the Patriots are off. So now I, I get to have a Sunday where I can just relax. I can just, I can uh, watch and observe the other league. And uh, what I observed on that Sunday tie was a league filled with crap teams who don't show up on Sunday. Uh, a lot of bad football, a lot of blowouts. There were a couple of good close games. Uh, the, the Bills-Bucks game was obviously a good close one. Uh, it was shaping up to be a blowout, but the Bills came back in the fourth quarter uh, before Tom Brady ripped their heart out uh, for the 90th time in his career. Uh, the, the Bengals and 49ers, I believe, had an OT game. Uh, Ravens and, and Browns wasn't an exciting game, but it was at least close at the end and came down to a couple plays at the end. Other than that, teams getting blown out, bad coaching, sloppy football. I mean, th- there's just like – the, the league stride for parity with the way it's set up now and the salary cap and all that. I feel like now it's 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 turned into I guess you could say devolved into you got to have a franchise quarterback to even have a chance, and you got to be well coached on top of that to to have a chance to actually win the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, the the Patriots and Chiefs look like the only teams that have a chance of making the Super Bowl out of the AFC, and they. They, uh, the Chiefs obviously have both. They have the uh, elite quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and whatever you feel about Andy Reid, he's definitely one of the best coaches in the league when you compare him against everyone else. You know, he's proven. He's a champion, all that. So, I mean, they obviously have the combo you need. Uh, the Patriots obviously have the coach. Bill Belichick is clowning everybody on in this path right now. Uh, I think Mac Jones is good. I just I think the biggest question for the Patriots in this stretch run and how they perform in the playoffs is how – how is their rookie quarterback going to look in a truly big game, big time situation? I'm not saying either way that he's going to be good or bad. I'm just saying it's a total unknown. And I think that's why you can't really pick the Patriots to, to go to the Super Bowl. I, I think it's fair to say that the Chiefs will, will pop them at some point or some other team maybe with a, with a good enough quarterback. Uh, but just the amount of bad coaching is just unreal. The, the, the penalties and the sloppiness. And uh, not not enough good quarterbacks, definitely not enough good coaches, and like it just feels like we're we're just we we have a handful of teams that that have a chance. It's like the NBA, like the, only the teams that have those top five superstars even have a shot, and that's what it feels like this league has come to. And uh, I'm not shocked at all that a Patriots-less week uh, of football had a lot of bad football. That's my big takeaway. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I would completely agree. In the, and and I, I think it's fun to watch the bad football, but then you hit the point where you go, oh, man, uh, I may have to watch this at the game's biggest game of the season. I don't know if yeah. I want to do that, right? Like, Because like, I think realistically you have – I'm with you. I think there's like five teams that I could see emerging as like legit Super Bowl teams. Uh, but I still only like, I'd say two of the teams to win it. Like I think, I think the Chiefs and the and the Bucks are like the two, and then everyone else is like, I could see them. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I could see them doing it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So I think it's, it's shaping not, up it's to not be a great spot to be in. Yeah, I think it's shaping up to be Chiefs Bucks rematch. I mean, look, if that makes me a, an a hole that I think that the Chiefs could beat the Patriots in a playoff game this year, then so be it. I mean, they've been to two yeah, straight no, Super I, Bowls. I think- they won one of them. And their defense has gotten better. Like, defense has gotten thing, better. Right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously a lot of football we play between now and then, but, like, I'm not I'm not high on Green Bay. I just I, – I, I don't see it. Like, I, I would love to be, but I think every time we're high on Green Bay, they, they lose. They, they have all the pieces. Like, I don't think Matt LaFleur is a terrible coach, but he might just not have what it takes, at least at this point in his career as a head coach, to – get them over the top. And obviously we know Aaron Rodgers doesn't always come up big. He's had some big moments in the playoffs, but obviously only won the one Super Bowl. And uh, yeah. if I remember correctly, he didn't even have that great of a game in that Super Bowl. But I mean, I'm not going to hold that against him. The guy won, so he deserves credit for that. But yeah, it feels like there's always a little something missing with that Packers team. And I think that's illustrated in how they came up short against the Bucks last year, even though, I mean, they, they looked like the better team. I thought it was going to be their year. And they always just tend to come up short. I mean, uh, if the Seahawks make it in, I, I give them a chance. Uh, I give Russell Wilson a chance to run around and show some of that classic old magic that he's shown before. Um, but even they have, like, it's ever since the Patriots broke them in that Super Bowl, they haven't looked like quite the same team in the playoffs. It's just like, uh, it sucks that, like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there, but just the coaching isn't good enough and the teams aren't consistent enough and they're not smart enough uh, to, to be consistent and consistently contend for Super Bowls. And so you end up with just like a few teams every year. And like, I don't know, that's, that's sort of disheartening. It's, it's, it's kind of annoying. We're, we're probably going to get a Bucks chiefs rematch. Um, I mean, a chiefs Packers Super Bowl would be fun, but like, yeah, like we're just not looking, there's not much out there in terms of uh, total, total teams that have like the totality of everything you need, uh, which is, which is very annoying. And I think that was just underlined when uh, when we sat back and watched those games with no Patriots. I mean, I, I feel like rarely do I feel this way. I felt like we were instantly vindicated by the Bills-Bucks game where we were both like, no, you can't believe in this team now because they just look broken. And they made a, a nice little uh, you know, a nice little comeback, I guess. You don't get a point yeah. for overtime losses, though, in the NFL. So nope. who cares? They had a ultimately. chance. They had the ball first in overtime, and they couldn't. They couldn't go down the field. And uh, and the, even the tying, they didn't they tie the game at the end with a field goal when they yeah. had a chance at a touchdown? So, like, again, yes. like, they have some ability to make plays, and they've, they've shown some ability to make those plays in big games in crunch time situations. But, I mean, sort of like the Packers with, with Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, there's just a little something missing there where they can't do that consistently and they can't do it uh, when the chips are really on the table. And obviously – Tom Brady can, and then once they gave the ball back to Tom Brady, you know what was going to happen. He was going to march right down the field, and, like, I bet that last touchdown to Brashad Perrion was a play where, like, 
all these all these people that have spent two decades trying to discredit Tom Brady watched it. But how, how did they do that? That's not fair. The guy was wide open. What do you what do you think Brady's gonna do? You know, I bet I'm I'm assuming that was the reaction to that to that game winning touchdown by Prashad Perriman. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're letting, you know, Perriman, that should have happened after the game. Be like a little embarrassing that Rashad Perriman scored a 59 yard touchdown on you guys. Like that should have been the first question to uh, Jordan Poyer and and uh, Mika Hyde. Like a little embarrassing, don't you say? Like that same guy <laughs> yeah. should have said that because that's actually embarrassing that he had the entire field in front. Like not even like just just classic Brady on Bills clowning. Right? Micah, the, and, Micah, the play was bad, and you should feel bad. Your thoughts. I don't think you remember that because you let that happen a week later. So not sure. doesn't seem like you remembered it very long. Yeah. Um, so that I, was a classic I mean, Brady play because like people are left boggles the mind how the guy took that all the way to the house. But Brady saw that throw. He knew uh, all I got to do is just, uh, I can put it in a place where only he can get it. I can see he's got the whole field ahead of him. So I just got to get the ball in his hands and he'll score a touchdown and we'll win the game. That was uh, to me. That was classic Brady, and not enough mm-hmm. quarterbacks uh, take that approach. I mean, like even a guy like Aaron Rodgers probably would have ran out of the pocket, scrambled around, trying to t- trying to make the the throw fifty yards all the way to the end zone instead of taking the simple ten yard pass with a with an open field in front of him and all those yards after the catch. That's just an example of like Brady being brilliant, but people not really uh, seeing into those details. I mean. You know, it's, it's sort of like the people that after they beat the Seahawks in that same Super Bowl, speaking of that game, they're like, well, you didn't even throw it at Richard Sherman. What do you, what, how, how impressive is that? It's like, yeah, because he's not an idiot. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't throw at good players. He throws at guys that are open or a good matchup. That's what good, that's called playing quarterback. Like these people, like I you always know. say, like these people just need to play, just go play Madden franchise mode, turn off weather, turn off injuries, and then that's it. <laughs> That's another Patriots thing, by the way. That like people, they haven't played a good team. They haven't played. They haven't beaten an elite team on a neutral site with no weather in a dome, and uh, everybody's a hundred percent healthy. So, like, where do where do the goalposts go after that one? Yeah, uh, who is that? There's, that doesn't exist. Especially <laughs> they need COVID. To, they, need to, they need to play the Rams at SoFi, but Robert Woods can't be injured. Odell Beckham can't have COVID. And they need to allow Marshall Falk 2001 to be their running back as well. That, no, like, no, no, and then no. maybe then we will give them credit. No, no, no. We need to take the 85 Bears, uh, 2000 Ravens, 2004 <laughs> Colts, uh, the 2013 Seahawks and Broncos, and uh, the 2007 Patriots, and uh, just draft a team from all those teams and then put them in a neutral site. Uh, obviously no weather. Uh, the other team can't have penalties called on them. And uh, Mac Jones has to throw with his left hand, and then, and then, then if we'll the Patriots win that game, are. if the Patriots win that game, I will consider thinking about giving them credit. That's that. I think that's the fairest way to do it. Yes, that is the only way. No <laughs> other way, way will be will be allowed. It's just such a joke, man. It's just so <laughs> stupid. I, I, but yes, no, you're. And when the Patriots beat up on these teams, and then we watch the all these teams on a bye week, we're kind of like. Hey, maybe the league just kind of sucks. Have we considered that? Have we considered yeah. the possibility that they are a good team amongst a sea of largely garbage? Yeah, well, they're definitely a well-coached team in a sea of, of poorly coached teams. I think that is absolutely the case. Yeah, uh, 
there's definitely, I mean, Felger's been hot on this. And I know everybody hates Felger, but he's, I think he's right that like there's way more good quarterbacks than good coaches in the league. You know, at least mm-hmm. elite guys, guys that you know that uh, can build you a program and keep you consistent. And like, you know, you'll be disciplined and you won't get penalties. And it looked, it looked bad at the start of the season for the Patriots, but they obviously turned it around big time with that win streak and they're all locked in right now. Um, you know, but like at the end of the day, if you, if you force me to make a prediction, I'll say the chiefs will, will get the best of them in a playoff game because I, I do think that defense will have, could have a good game against Patrick Mahomes, but just at the end of the day, he'll make just a few more plays than Mac Jones because Mac Jones is the first time on that stage, not ready for it. And, you know, rookie does, never even made the Super Bowl, let alone won it. So uh, I don't think you're an a-hole if you're, if, if you're predicting that the Patriots will not win the Super Bowl this year or will not go to the Super Bowl. Next year, next year maybe we could start talking Super Bowl with the way they're playing, if they, especially if they keep playing this way, if they win out and they're the number one seed, uh, if they're in the conference championship and they come up just short against the Chiefs, we'll say, all right, well, here we go. We're off and running. We're, we're now now we got to be talking Super Bowl next year. But this year – I think they're getting a little ahead of themselves. Even if, even if there's only a couple teams that can really pop them, I still think eventually that's what's going to happen. That's just my thought. Yeah, no, I think it's totally, it's a totally fair thought. Um, I, I mean, we will ultimately we'll have to see, um, you know, how it all sort of transpires, how it all shakes out. But I think, I think right now I just, it's very clear that they can, they can be one of the final four. Like that's not, I don't think you're un- I don't think you're being unrealistic or you're being a homer if you think that oh this is a top four team in the NFL it potentially you know like getting getting right. to the conference final like that seems winning a Super Bowl might be a little rough this year might be a little tough um, but right now I, I don't think that anyone's saying that this team should be a number one seed or can make it to the to the final four I don't I don't think that's a crazy thought right now when when we sit and we enjoy and enjoy quotations a, a day of football on Sunday where we see the rest of the competition backstagecountry.com your online home for all things country music country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need we're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes see who made our list when you text give to 45911 Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. Yeah, I think as long as they keep winning, this is team, this season's a massive success considering all the circumstances that went into it. They don't have to win the Super Bowl this year or even make the Super Bowl or even make the conference title game for this season to be a success. I think we're pretty much already at that point, assuming they uh, they keep taking care of business here. All right, Uh we got to move on, Tigers. We're up against it here. Let's do the big three. Uh, we came up with this, uh, you know, sort of late in the game, but like uh, we're we're gonna do the big three uh, cities we would like to see expansion teams. Uh, this is in light of uh, Vegas getting the Super Bowl. Vegas becoming a sports hotbed. Uh, you know, that's like the the craziest party city in the country by far. And uh, now we're gonna have the Super Bowl there. Uh, so hopefully, not too many people die when that happens. But um, uh, Ty, I'll let you have first pick here. What's your first pick? Uh, cities that I would like to see sports expand to? Yes. I would say, uh, and this is going to sound crazy because they already have, uh, they have, I think, three out of the four, I want to say. You can, you can be a sport specific to a sport. I'll allow that. I would like to see the NFL in Toronto because I'm curious how it would look. Uh, this came to me watching the uh, Grey Cup highlights from last weekend. It was Hamilton 
against, uh, I think, Winnipeg, I want to say. Uh, but an NFL team in Toronto would really intrigue me because you would have theoretically the natural rivalry um, with Buffalo. I think some of C- I think actually, I think some season ticket holders in Buffalo are, they do live in Ontario. They do live in Toronto. Um, but I just think that'd be, I think that'd be a fun thing because I, I, we always talk about the NFL going international, right? Like they talk about like a London team or something. Why not Toronto? Yeah. Why don't you go to Canada first and see how that plays out before you go to, you, you go across the ocean. You know, so I would like to see an NFL team in Toronto as I think you could do some fun things with it, whether they play at the Sky Dome or or wherever. I just feel like you could you could do something there. Yeah, you could do some fun stuff. It's going to be the London Jaguars probably eventually. That's what they're angling for. They send that godforsaken franchise out to London every year. Hello, blokes. You like this? You like this game here? (laughs) Uh, That was like a mix between British and Australian. Uh, All right. My first pick. My first pick, Ty, call it a cop-out if you want. Give me a second Boston team. Uh, that probably would make uh, sense in baseball or hockey. I don't, know if, I don't know if we need a second football team, and the mm-hmm. Patriots would kill them anyway. We, I don't think we need a second basketball team because the Celtics are so historic. And uh, not that the Red Sox and, and, and Bruins aren't historic, but, like, we used to have two Boston baseball teams, didn't we? Didn't we have the Braves and the Red Sox at the same time? Like, that would be fun. Uh, like, I think it's fun that, that New York gets to have like two different teams and like a cross city rivalry and a subway series and things like that. I think that would be fun. And I know Boston's not as big of a city as these other te- uh, cities that have two teams like New York and LA um, or Chicago or whatever. But I think it's a big enough sports city where like if you put, if you made a new team and there was a little bit of history attached to it, like the Boston Braves or something, I think, I think fans would take to it and I think it would be fun. So I don't know if it's I don't know if it's doable uh, culturally because of the Red Sox are so ingrained at this point and the Bruins too, but um, I would like to see a cross city rivalry. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think it could happen because they always talk about putting another uh, team in Toronto, right? Like another hockey team in Toronto because they think they could handle it. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's something similar with baseball, right? That Boston could handle um, another baseball team, especially I think there's enough people that are disenfranchised with the Red Sox or. or you know, sort of disillusioned with the Red Sox and what they've become yeah. um, to a certain degree that I think they'd be like, yeah, you know what? We got a new team. I'm going to go throw my hands. I'm going to go throw my, my, my support behind, behind those, but behind that, that new team, see how it is. So yeah, it would be fun to be able to watch. It's, it's the same. It's the same logical concept as, as a second team in Toronto. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm, I don't care that much about like the different rules or whatever, but it would be fun to watch an NL Boston team, I think, and get to see what that the, the NL is like. And then, you know, they have, Every year they play each other or whatever. You have a, you have a Subway series every year. Uh, I just think that will be fun. Um, all right, so what's your second pick? Uh, this one is a city that has been mentioned before uh, for a lot of people, but uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland should have more than the Trailblazers. I, I think they should have a baseball team. I think I, 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 you see what they do with the um, – they have a soccer team. The, ML, the MLS team up there does like gigant, has gigantic support. The fans love it. So I would like to see Portland get more than uh, – I believe they have just MLS and, and um, the, uh, the, the Blazers. So I would like to see another team up there personally. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that whole area is starting to expand. we got the NHL in Seattle. You know, Seattle, Portland, Vancouver, that whole area, they can almost have their own division exactly. <laughs> with those teams up there. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, my second pick is Hartford. Bring back the Whalers. That would be – talk about uh, – uh, you could have a regional rivalry that way anyway. I just love the Whalers logo. 
I thought it was fun back in the day when, you know, I I went and saw a couple Whalers games as a kid. Uh, You know, I just think that would be fun to bring back. I don't know. I just don't know if there's there's enough support in the city or anything like that. Uh, I don't know if it's even been talked about. But um, I think a lot of hockey fans would like to see the Whalers come back. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen just because I feel like it would have happened by now if it was an option. Um, but that's a good one just because I, I do think that like, there's something like historic about it, right? Like there is something like, um, you know, it is older NHL, right? Like they mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't great, but it'd be great for Rangers fans and Bruins fans and Islanders fans for that matter. It's close enough yeah. to drive. It's, it's, it's commutable. Um, I know that they have the, I think it's called the XL center now. I think in Hartford is where the Wolfpack play there. And I believe UConn plays there, their, their, their hockey team. So uh, they have the infrastructure you'd think, right. But, but could they, could they work And they're They're one of those cities that it feels like, it feels like they, if they were given a second chance that they wouldn't lose it. You know what I mean? Like they would mm-hmm. like the, the city get would make right. sure that kind of <laughs> never happened again. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah. So it's, it's, I feel the same way about, about Seattle with the NBA. If you put another team in Seattle, it's, it's, it's never going to leave. And I think the Sonics shouldn't have left in the first place, but that's another, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Um, that's another thing. Pacific Northwest put the, get the Sonics back. Yeah, exactly. Like you move them as soon as the, the rebuild was, was basically on the rise with, with Durant and Westbrook and Harden. It's like, okay, well, yeah, that see was you guys weird. later. Bye. That was weird. Yeah. So. Uh, it was like the Browns going 11 and five and then just moving to, to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, so I, I, I'd back it. I, I don't know if that'll happen. The NH, the NHL seems like, it seems like expansion is done for like for the foreseeable future, and now it, relocation is in the name of the game. So who, who is relocated and where? Right, like, like Arizona probably like a Quebec City type, right? But like, mm. what if Florida's attendance can't improve? Right, because Florida, they're doing everything they got to be doing right. Like the team is good. I feel like the marketing that they try to do as a franchise is good, but if people still aren't going, what are you going to do? Like you can't just right. keep losing money forever. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I say, all, I make all these picks like without even knowing if it would be financially realistic if it would actually work. It's just, I just want it. Right. People, no, people just I'm, want Tuka Rask to be gone forever. So I get, so I get to want something too. So that's just, I just want it. I back it. I back it. I mean, my my pick, and this is kind of yeah, your third pick, along the lines of your Hartford pick, my final pick would be Oakland. Oakland shouldn't have lost the Raiders. Oakland shouldn't have lost the Warriors. And, they don't have a team. They don't have any team, huh? They're going to lose the Raiders. The A's next. That's next. They're going to lose the Oh, they have the Oakland A's, A's, yeah. Well, the, so are the Warriors technically Oakland? Are the Warriors technically Oakland? They were, the and now they play in San Fran. And and what's annoying mm-hmm. about that is that the – so Oakland loses the Warriors, right? And then the Warriors come back with this past season wearing Oakland jerseys. And I was like, oh, piss off. Like, you, you, you basically left that whole city behind, and now, and now you're going to wear their jerseys? Like, no. That, <laughs> so they moved to – their new arena is in, uh, is in San Fran. Chase Arena, I think, or Chase Bank Arena, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, isn't – you know, it's not like moving across the country, but it's not Oakland. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I just don't feel – I feel like – I feel like we're we're robbing Oakland of of being of being a sports city, and I I don't necessarily like that. I because I think the A's belong in Oakland. I don't want them to move. And I thought the Raiders were an Oakland team. You know, it's worked out in Vegas, sure, but but I associated the Raiders with Oakland, right? And that was their yeah. 
They're passionate fan base. Why did that leave? Why did that go away? Because they wouldn't build them a stadium? Build your own damn stadium. You guys are worth billions of dollars. Seriously. I, I think I agree on uh, all fronts there. My third pick, tie is New Orleans. Uh, put a hockey team in New Orleans. I think that would be fun. Uh, obviously a fun city. I, w- I went there one time for a bachelor party. It was a good time, even though it was in the winter. Uh, still a lot of fun, a lot of people partying and, and all that. And uh, I think it would be similar to Nashville or that uh, they'd have like sort of a niche type of fan base where fans would get into it. Uh, the, the game itself would be rowdy. The atmosphere would be fun. Throw a bunch of crayfish on the ice when they score a goal or something along those lines. Uh, give me hockey on the bayou. I think, I think that would be like sort of like Nashville. It would be fun in a similar way. Yeah, you know what's funny? There's actually a Bruins prospect. I can't remember who it is right now. There's a Bruins prospect drafted in the last couple of years who is actually, I believe, born in Louisiana because his dad was a player or a coach and coaching or playing for like the ECHL team or whatever it is down there. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I can't remember who it is or, 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 or what, uh, but that's a thing like that. Like that was a thing that, that, you know, did exist for a while and you can go down to new Orleans. Hey, you know what you can call them, Matt? You can call them the old, uh, the King baby cakes. Make that bring that horrifying mascot back right, into the mix. <laughs> the New Orleans yeah, King he, Babies. Yeah, he can double dip the ma- the terrifying mascot. That'd be wor- that'd be like Gritty's ultimate nemesis, right? Would be would yeah. be you bring that thing into the equation, and it's like, oh yeah. man, now we got a cooking. Yeah, now we got this rivalry here. Make them have a lightsaber duel on the ice or something like it before every game. Right. Uh, I would. I. I to the death. Was, what was the New Orleans team like? There was I. I they were either ECHL or IHL. I can't remember now, but but they but they, that was a team that they had down there for a while. Uh, so I would like that. That'd be fun. That'd be. Fun. I mean, they they got they got a basketball team, right? So yeah, got, theoretically, got the building for it. You know, you could do yeah. that. So yeah, they could put it right in the Pelicans building. Yeah. What do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I had Milwaukee on my list. I think it just makes sense for a hockey team. It's it's cold, right? Yeah, Green Bay, Madison, whatever, Milwaukee, or, you know, Wisconsin. Green yeah. Bay I having another team would be fun. I think their AHL team does pretty well attendance-wise too. So I think I think you'd have a, a, a built-in market there. Yeah, and a winter classic at like Lambeau Field. Chicago, so I feel like a lot of their fans are like yeah. Blackhawks fans. Okay. Well, like a, like a, just like a winter classic at, at Lambeau Field would be fun. I don't know if that's been done before. You know. Yeah, well, I was surprised that there's no NBA team in Tampa. And that's kind of surprising yeah. when I think about it, right? Like they got everything weird. else. Got Orlando, and they moved the Raptors there. The NBA should just be Florida and California, really. Just when when all the teams. NBA, when, when do they move Memphis to Nashville? When does that happen? Do you think? Yeah, well, let's move the let's move the Celtics to Tallahassee. You know, and look, just <laughs> just have every every medium every marginally sized city in Florida gets a team. Yeah, I well, I I I could see it. I could see it happening. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All I right. think if I had any other like Austin, Texas is yeah. one that you hear, right? Like that. Yeah, I always hear that's a fun city. Yeah. The Bills. I just might think move fun there. cities. Like that's like where like teams gotta be. It's like where wherever yeah. it's fun, you know, like yeah, that, in that light of sense. Vegas. Yeah, Vegas, obviously, right? So all right, yeah. well that does it for the big three and that does it for this week's podcast. Um Ty, do you have any more any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, I will say this again for like the fifth week in a row. I feel like uh, this Bruins team is not as bad as people online cry about. They, I think last night you should have expected a loss given the fact that it was Vegas and you're missing uh, half of your top six wingers. 
Um, but at, you're at a point now where the team's got to do something. I, I think uh, whether it's trying a guy from Providence for an extended spell, particularly in the forward grouping, uh, make a trade, do something. But they're not as bad as, as we all act, but they are inching closer and closer towards needing to try something new because I don't, I'm not yeah. sure that this is this current mix is working. Yeah, I mean, they still they feel mediocre to me, but maybe it's just a consistency thing. Like, if they play as well as they did in Calgary in that Nashville game and whatever, if they did that more consistently, maybe they look more like the team we expect them to be. But, um, yeah, fair points. I mean, if you just don't look at Twitter, maybe it doesn't feel as bad as, as you might think. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, thanks. I love you. Thanks to all of our listeners uh, all across the world, but uh, mainly United States and Canada. Ty, we went five for seven on uh, the NHL – or no, six for seven. We had, we had almost all the Canadian NHL teams. I got my, One of my friends who listens in Vancouver reached out and says, I listen in Victoria, so I'm right outside of Vancouver. Ah, yes. No, Victoria does pop up there, so thanks to your friend in Victoria. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, we were missing Winnipeg this week. We had, every, we had Ottawa, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, Montreal, Vancouver – no Winnipeg, but we've had Winnipeg well, you know before. We've had Winnipeg before. What does that mean? It means we've got to have some hot, some hot, hot Blake Wheeler and Neil Pionk talk next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bruin, <laughs> Bruins made the right move getting rid of Blake Wheeler. He sucks. Uh, that, that'll be our take for next week. Um, all right. Well, that, that about does it. We're going a little long here. So thanks. Thanks again for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week.